0: Dear friends, uh, I'm really impressed with Ottawa people and St. Peter's and St. Paul's. I, me of little faith thought we would be a handful of people, but look at you all, and I'm sure there's many at home who are, can't see everyone here, but this is a, this is a wonderful gathering. Uh, I am honored to be here to open the Word of God uh, in this service, and then I hope you can all stay for the annual meeting, which comes right afterwards. Uh, And I'm looking forward to that as well. Our text uh, comes from the gospel that has just been read. And the first two verses I want to read to you again. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I think... Matthew. Now, I don't know. I'm just going out on a limb here uh, in my own prayerful uh, thoughts of this passage that Matthew thought what he said in these two verses was going to surprise you, amaze you, shock you even. And then uh, upon further reflection, bring you a deep sense of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. Because it's all about this one-man Jesus that the Romans 5 passage spoke about. And the, the focus is in on him. Make no mistake, this is not simply a passage on how you deal with temptations. This is a profound statement of what Jesus did. And that's what we're thinking about this morning. The background of the Gospel of Matthew is, is a wonderful. It begins the first 17 or 18 verses as a genealogy, which takes us from Abraham right through to Jesus, making it clear that he's the anointed one, the promised one. And then for the last half of chapter one, we hear about how the angel met Joseph, who was engaged to Mary, who was, though a virgin, give, uh, pregnant and instructed him that he was to take her as his wife and that, in fact, the baby that she was to give birth to was to be named. Listen to this. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You know all this. And you shall call his name, this is the part I want you to think about, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so the very Son of God, now being carried by Mary in her womb, was on a trajectory directly towards a cross. And so Matthew is following this trajectory in a very systematic way. And even although we know from those verses on this is where he's heading, the surprises are immense and and should really grip us. So it is uh, that in fact, uh, as following the the passage by the end of, uh, into chapter 3, John the Baptist comes to prepare a way for this Jesus who is to come. Uh, And then Jesus himself comes. And it says in verse 13 of Matthew 3, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, but do you come to me? We understand that. That's very logical. But Jesus answered him and said, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented and he baptized Jesus. He understood that Jesus was now saying, I'm not being baptized because of my sin. I'm not being baptized because I need to have my sins washed away in baptism. I'm standing as as one on behalf of all people everywhere so that they can know righteousness in me. Well, Jesus was baptized, and it goes on and says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. If ever there was the best picture of the triune God, it's in the baptism of Jesus. There's Jesus, the very Son of God, declared by the Father in what was clearly the Father speaking, and the Holy Spirit descending and residing on Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what did the Father say? This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, he's right on track. Everything is two thumbs up. I'm pleased with him, and he's on course for why he's been sent on this rescue mission. Now that's the way chapter three ends. And so with this huge exhilaration and joyfulness that Jesus comes out from the water, the Father speaks such words of affirmation and you are sort of waiting to see how he's gonna float through life and reach the masses that he's come to to rescue. Instead of that, here's the surprise. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, the same Spirit who came to reside on him, into the wilderness. And I don't know a lot about the wilderness there. I've been to the Holy Land, but it's very unfriendly territory. To be all alone, to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, we sang about that at the very beginning of our service. That wonderful traditional hymn, He Was Hungry. Of course he was hungry. For me, it takes 40 minutes. But, but, it, so, but having said all that, there's some things that we need to understand about this. First of all, Jesus, who's the very Son of God, the Father's already declared him to be that. Are you clear? He's fully God. Now, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, we see in technicolor that he's truly a human being. Hungry, yes, because that's what would happen to a person who hasn't eaten in a while. But more than that, we see uh, all the traits as we follow the the New Testament in terms of Jesus clearly fully man as well as fully God. Sad, do you remember him weeping at the grave of Lazarus? Weary, do you remember him falling asleep in the boat? Deeply moved at the news of John the Baptist's martyrdom. Thrilled by the faith of the centurion in Matthew 8 who said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. I know what it is to have authority. You have authority, Jesus, just say the words. Jesus was thrilled. Jesus is fully a human being. And in fact, what Hebrews 4 says, he was in all points tempted just as we are. So that as well as having all these traits which seem very natural and and nice in their way, this thing about being available to temptation is one that we're not as readily to, to assign to Jesus. But the New Testament has no problem. And in fact, the Holy Spirit took Jesus into the wilderness precisely to experience testing and temptation. See, the issue is not... Temptation. Temptation is not sin. It's the succumbing to temptation which is the issue of sin. And so it is that we find out that Jesus in himself and in a a particular intense way during this season with the devil experienced all the temptations, all the experiences which you and I will ever go through. So a real Jesus, fully God, a real Jesus, fully man, who can be tempted, who was tempted, and I think we need to understand that temptation is temptation. Don't think that this was just Jesus putting up an act and saying, get away, you know, ha, no problem. Bouncing off him as if, you know, he had kryptonite, some, something like that. But in fact, he, the, the, the force of the temptations was immense the potential attractiveness of them the reasonableness of them if not deadly in their way but thankfully he he did not capitulate because otherwise if he had we would be the losers you see it was for us he was tempted but a real satan make no mistake this is not a mythological media of, uh, media uh, um, media what's that word you know the 1200 of, anyway the, I can't think of the word right now but that period of time uh, and and where you might think this is kind of quaint and dear there's nothing quaint and dear about the Satan of the Bible Amen. make no mistake he is real he is evil he hates God He hates Jesus. He hates you. He's the father of lies. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He comes as an angel of light, but in fact, he's a deadly deceiver. He hates God. He hates us. That's the one that Jesus has been dropped by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness with the great roaring lion mouth open, ready for him. But of course he doesn't come raw like that he comes in such seductive and attractive and reasonable i'm on your side just as the serpent was apparently with adam and eve Uh, this kind of you know let's talk about this i can help you out a little bit that's the kind of so it's a horrific battle that is going on first of all round one the tempter came and said to him if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Where did he get that? Well, of course he got it in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 8. Clearly, Jesus had a sense that just as Deuteronomy 18 said that a a one like Moses was to be raised up, who was to be the anointed one, who was Jesus, He He understood that, and he thought about the 40 years in the wilderness. He understood that these 40 days and 40 nights was a picture of Israel in the wilderness. He's in the wilderness. And what happened in Deuteronomy, Moses said these words reflecting on the wilderness experience. And you shall remember, verse 2 of Deuteronomy 8, the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not Jesus understood that's what was going on it was the will of the father that the son be there and to be tested to see what was in his heart whether it was pure 100% and therefore able to be the worthy savior sacrifice for us this is where Jesus was when Satan raised the whole bread card thing. And rightly, Jesus immediately responds in reflection of Deuteronomy, the very next verse, verse three, incidentally, it's quite possible that Jesus had large parts, if not the whole of the Old Testament by memory. This is something he lived in. So it wasn't like, oh my goodness, what a... it was part of what he was dwelling on. But verse three, uh, and it says, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that, you, that he might make you know, here it is, that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Humans, and that's you, Jesus, are made for much more than food on the table, or money in the bank. Our heavenly Father knows very well what we need. But what we're really made for is a real relationship with the living God. That's what Jesus said in John 17, this is life eternal that you might know him and him whom he sent. Real relationship with the living God, something even more basic than food So yes, Jesus, you have powers. You could take that stone. And remember what John the Baptist said, God could have taken stones and made sons of Abraham. So this is not a difficult thing for you, Jesus. But Jesus observed it for what it was. It was to distract him from the provision of God, which would ultimately take him away from the cross. It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Good news, dear friends. Jesus refused to give in. We are made for much, much more than food on the table and all these things that we work so hard for. We're made for eternal life with God, which could only come by the cross. Good news. Jesus was tempted round one and came out clearly in the light of the scriptures. And so it is that, in fact, um, he goes on, and, and uh, in round two, Satan comes back and said, okay, if you really are the Son of God, rather than suffering in this way, surely this can't be the best approach. Is it totally necessary for you to suffer? How about uh, God delivering you from some dramatic... So he takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple and says, hurl yourself off, And then the perverse thing of all, he quotes Psalm 91. What a thing. Satan knows the Bible too. And he says, for he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Come on, Jesus. Is this really necessary to go this route of suffering? It sounds a lot like what happened on the cross as recorded in Matthew 27. Listen to this. If he desires him, for he said, I am the son of God. This is precisely what Satan was doing. And he did it again on the cross through the the mouths of these people who mocked Jesus. Again, Jesus saw Satan was attempting to dislodge him from the cross and again making him think there's got to be a better way. But Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6.16, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him in Massa. Good news again. Jesus refused to be distracted from the cross. Round three. We're almost there. I, uh, again, Satan says, I can give you all this and much, much more now. All you have to do is worship me. and It'll all be yours. Remember what Jesus said when he was arrested. He said, I could appeal to the Father, and there be legions of angels. And so Jesus said to the evil one, again, de- quoting from Deuteronomy 6.13, uh, where he said, Oh, be gone, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Do you remember Peter? After he had declared Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, as recorded in Matthew 16. And then Jesus immediately pivoted and began to explain about the cross coming. Do you remember how Peter responded? Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Exactly what he said to Satan on that third Dear friends, it is the Lord who you should fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear. Deuteronomy 6.13. Good news, Jesus went the way of the cross and was raised on the third day so that Satan who had no authority to give him all the nations of the world but claimed he did. Jesus after the cross and resurrection could say all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Speaking of what the Father has done by virtue of the cross and resurrection. Therefore, dear friends, this is good news today, that Jesus went, was driven by, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. It was for you, it was for me he went that path. And he suffered, it says, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, He's able to suffer, help those who are being tempted. But my favorite verses to end are these Hebrews 4, 15, and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect <coughs> what has been tempted as we are yet without sin, yet without sin, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Dear friend, come to Jesus. We need his mercy, we need his grace, which he so thoroughly is qualified to give by virtue of, of being the sinless son of God who withstood the temptations. He understands, he sympathizes, he's God with us, God for us and he invites us to come to him by faith. Come to him for mercy and grace. You need them, he offers them freely because he understands fully yet without sin. What a wonderful savior. Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you who are fully God are fully man and you fully understand our plight in every way. You fully sympathize. And you've gone the way of the cross to bring us mercy and grace to help in time of need. You are a wonderful Savior, and we bless you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated and assume a posture of prayer.